Hello and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined once again by John Pacladinas. John was first with us for a special episode during season one when we chatted him up about his family's experiences as volunteers at the Little League Baseball World Series. And while we'll no doubt talk a little Little League uh, during our time together this time, we look forward to giving John the full conversations experience. Now a retired educator and union leader from Farwell, Michigan, John, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Thanks, Doug. It's great to be here with you again. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. I, I know that a fair amount has transpired since the last time we talked. You're you're no longer actively working for the schools. Uh, you've got a little um, retirement gig going on, and you've done a little bit of world traveling. So I think all of that might come up during our time together today. Yeah, the, things have changed significantly in my life <laughs> since the last time you and I uh, chatted uh, for your uh, for your show here. Um, so okay. yeah, there should be should be plenty to talk about. Great. Uh, well, let's um, again. We promised the listeners the full John Pacladinas conversations experience. What is your earlier or earliest recollections of being a sports fan, John? Well, I think other than I'm going to use this, I'm, I'm going to assume that you mean as somebody that likes to spectate and watch sports rather yeah. than, you know, just say, well, in fourth, when I was four years old, I played t-ball, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I think it would certainly be going to Michigan in trouble, Tiger Stadium for um, – a Tigers game. Um, my earliest recollection of going to a Tigers game at Michigan and Trumbull was my dad was a teamster and um, you could park right. Uh, and I don't know, again, I was, I was young. So I was seven, eight, six. I don't even know how young I was. I don't know where the teamsters lot was in relationship to um, Michigan and Trumbull. I do remember we could go over there and we would park there uh, because as a teamster, they didn't charge him. Um, and then we would have to cross over I-75. So um, so that would be to the north of Michigan and Trumbull. So there's a there's a Teamsters Hall there that used yeah. to be there. I'm not sure if it still is. I, 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 th I think it actually, it, it may still be, or maybe it's a new one, but it's on, I think it's on Trumbull Avenue. I've been to that okay. Teamster Hall before. So, okay. yeah. So we would park there because he was a teamster and we, we would take the, Take the pedestrian walk over I-75, and uh, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is outside the stadium was guys selling peanuts mm -hmm. and telling you that that the um, peanuts were more expensive in the ballpark, and you could buy the peanuts from them. Uh, and I just remember going to Michigan and Trumbull. I remember that entire experience, uh, how, how quaint of a park that was, and. And how my dad and I, because my dad worked for um, uh, Hostess Cake, um, money was a little bit tight back then. So we would get the farthest seats that we could get. And then as the games proceeded, we would move. So oftentimes we would be uh, obstructive view only behind um, a pole in the upper deck or the lower deck. And then, then we would, as the games would pr proceed, we would try to move our way down and the ushers generally wouldn't let us to do that because the game was usually out of reach when we were doing that. So um, 
that was shared experience, obviously, with my father and uh, one that I will cherish forever and ever and ever. And my earliest Tiger memory was a doubleheader where they actually let you stay and then clear the, the stadium back then. And you could go there and you could actually watch both games. And uh, I just remember, you know, going to those games. And then, of course, the 84 Tigers um, was when I was a, in uh, – Oh, it would have been my, probably my freshman year, right? I graduated in 87. So um, it would have been, you know, ninth grade, eighth grade, somewhere in there. Uh, and, of course, I'll never forget going to Tiger games then and uh, enjoying that while there were, you know, 47, 50,000 people in that stadium and it was just packed. So long answer for a short question of what's my earliest recollection of being a sports fan. And was uh, baseball sort of your gateway into other sports then? And, and did your, were you able to go to see anything else live or was it primarily radio and TV until you got a little bit older? Yeah, primarily radio and TV. Again, um, you know, my mother was a nurse and back then nurses weren't making much money either. And my dad was, like I said, a, a Teamsters truck driver for Hostess. And so discretionary spending wasn't... Um, wasn't uh high then so well i would listen to <clears throat> i would listen to the radio um just like every kid that loves a game of baseball baseball was my number one passion at the time mm. you know you turn the transistor radio on and you listen to paul carey and ernie hall ernie harwell and then occasionally t- you know tv 50 at the time would have uh, george kell and al Kaline would be on not all the time and then as I got older, of course, we introduced us to cable TV and we did get that. And we were able to watch more of the games on the old pro-am sports system, which is now Bally Sports. And so, um, but no, I didn't get to a lot of, I didn't get to any Lions games. I don't think I ever saw a Lions game at, um, um, obviously at Tiger Stadium. I don't know when they moved out to the Silverdome. I did get to see um, some NBA games. You know, the Pistons were, were popular back in the uh, yeah. mid to late 80s. So I did get to Pontiac Silverdome to watch um, the Pistons because, you know, you could get that seat pretty easily. Um, yeah, especially if you filled up at uh, your local Marathon gas station or whomever, and they were right. basically giving tickets away when they were trying to right. break those attendance records. And you could sit on the other side of the curtain and, and see these little tiny little miniature figurines right. running on a, on a floor. Yeah, right. And because you, while you're up in the in the central part of the state of Michigan now, you grew up in the Metro Detroit area, um, in the Correct. northern northern suburbs. So it wasn't terribly out of the way to get to the Silverdome from where you were at. I'm guessing, right? No, no. I mean, it was the the, the beauty of where we grew up um, on the. Uh, uh, I would be what the uh, west side of the Rochester School District was. We could take back roads we could take um, some back roads to, to the Silverdome and avoid a lot of the traffic. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, Detroit was, uh, you know, Detroit was going down to the Tigers games were a little bit more uh, difficult because you had to jump on the I-75. But, um, yeah, this, the, the Silverdome was pretty easy for us to get to. Um, I usually – I didn't go to the basketball games with any uh, – that was when I was older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't go to that with my father. Uh, or my mother that was usually just going with guys high school buddies of mine and uh going from that going on that route so yeah um any 
Red Wing experiences. Uh, the, the Wings were not much to 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 talk about during uh, much of your youth. I'm guessing not mine either, for that matter. Um, but any uh, any Wings experiences that you had? College. Um, yeah. You know, um, we would go to Joe Lewis. I would go to Joe Lewis Arena. Well, they started to win in the Cups in 97 and 98. So that's when people started going. And it wasn't that expensive at the time like it is today. So, um, but following them on on cable mm-hmm. and in college, uh, you know, we would um, – we would go to some of the local watering holes in college and watch the, watch the games um, and celebrate cup victories. But I, I, I became a, a hockey aficionado and I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, the last five, six, seven years has been a lean time for the Red Wings. But at one point we had one, we had been to the playoffs 21 years in a row. Yeah. And uh, um, so it was fun. It was fun to do that. So, my son likes it. My wife likes it. My father-in-law likes it. So now we try to go to as many games as we can. Um, unfortunately, with the with the new arena, their prices are almost just ridiculous. And um, so we don't get a chance to go down there as much as we would like to. But uh, um, I do like to go watch them play. Hockey is a definitely a different sport. I mean, all sports are different in person than they are on, on, um, on TV viewing it that way but hockey is very interesting sport on in person because if you we've had a few opportunities to sit right on the glass and you don't really get the sounds on the glass but if you get above the glass you can hear the passes of the pucks um of the of the receivers of the receiver of the players receiving that puck off the uh off of a pass and it's it's a loud noise and it's a you don't hear that on the television set so those noises are are, are are a lot different. I think of all the sports, of the four major sports, I think that one is the one where you miss a lot of the noise surrounding the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned college. I, I th- you went to Central Michigan University, and and we're not going to hold that against each other because we're right. from rival schools. Although you never Central never really considered Eastern Michigan a rival. I think it was always Western Michigan and Central Michigan was the big rivalry. But yeah, yeah. Um, but you went to CMU. Um, what was that experience like from um, a sports fan perspective? You noted maybe going to the watering holes on occasion to watch some of the of the uh, the four major sports from down in Detroit, but certainly the Mid-American Conference provided some, I, I would think, some interesting times and some fun fun times for you. And I know you're still a regular attendee of, of many CMU sports to this day, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know, what Doug, was it the same for you in college where as, um, as a student you could get in for free to majority of the games, if not all of them? Yeah. Yeah, so all you had to do is at the time when I was in college, you just showed me your student ID and you got in for free. So being a sports nut and not really, I really wasn't a drinker in college. So I would go to all these events and then I got, I kind of got hooked up with some um, uh, friends that were athletes and dating athletes. So I would go to gymnastics meets. I would go to volleyball matches. Um, I would go to the, the CMU men's games and the women's games. I got involved in the CMU women's program as far as a fan because my one of the roommates uh, 
uh, friends of mine actually was, was dating one of the players. So I got into that and, um, you know, uh, I was definitely involved at CMU making sure that I was going to a majority of the, um, of the, uh, uh, contests that I could, um, I got involved in the baseball program as a uh, student manager. Um, so I traveled on occasion. The, the budgets in, in, in college sports are a lot different these days than they were back then. So I didn't go on a lot of the road trips. I did go to Rainierson Stadium. Um, I think that's the name of your baseball stadium, Rainierson, or is that the, is that the, yeah. Rainierson's the football the stadium. Football stadium. Football. O, o Strike Stadium o, was the o baseball stadium. O-Strike Stadium, correct. I, I did go down there. Uh, and uh, one of the road trips I went for baseball was there. Oh, strike. Um, yeah, Rainierson. I went to Rainierson too, just to watch games. Um, but yeah, so CMU, and I'm still working. I work for CMU now as a uh, as a stats guy um, for football games. I, I record. I help them do stats. Uh, that you, if you see the stats um, through the apps. Mm-hmm. There's people manually, obviously, adding on to those, and I'm adding, helping out with that. I sometimes I'll help out with basketball and volleyball, but mo- and uh, but mostly it's just for football. You, you, I think I heard you say something about going to gymnastics meets and and some sports that I'm guessing you probably didn't attend a lot of, or, or have a lot of interest in when you were in high school. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. did that. Um, did that uh, grow on you over the course of time? And and again, I see that you're at events at CMU all the time these days. Yeah. Um, was was that like love of some of the sports or interest, at least maybe not love is too strong of a word in the maybe the more minor sports. Was that born during your time on campus up in Mount Pleasant? Yeah. So the, the, the gymnastics link was um, interesting because for baseball, we, sh- we had a turf room that was very small. Um, not like a turf room that they would have at a college today, but smaller turf room. And the gymnastics uh, room was right next to ours. And they would have to, they would open the door to their room into the turf room. And their running lane for the vault would run right through our practice. Uh, in the in the corner that kind of fed its way into the baseball team and the gymnastics teams having a having a uh, a little bit of a click and again when I was living in the college in the dorms I got through mutual friends got to be friends with some of these college gymnasts and we would go watch them Um, so that's how it would but even now as a 54 year old man I do I do tend to follow some of the um, female athletes because um, for years and years and years, they just, they didn't have any fans and, and there just wasn't the, the, the equity there. And of course, being a, being a coach, I coached women's ba- uh, girls basketball in, in Farwell and I coached girls volleyball. So girls sports have always been something that I felt um, needed a, you know, just needed a boost. So I just, my wife likes to go down and watch. My son loves CMU, so he watches everything. He'll go to a wrestling match. He'll go to. He'll want to go to a, anything, anything that's there. So that's it's just in the family. So you you matriculate through CMU. You end up staying there with a job, and and you you reference the fact that you got into coaching. Um, did that provide you with um, 
other perspective in terms of being a, a fan or did it change your fandom at all once you began coaching and had to maybe, you know, turn it on and off a little bit more? Well, I was notorious for kind of hooting on officials at some of the CMU games. And uh, I was really probably pretty good at heckling referees. And um, so, yeah, it, when I started coaching, I was coaching at Farwell. I was only 24, 25 years old. And um, I had been around success through the, the, the CMU men's program, baseball program. At that time, we were the number one program in the MAC. And uh, when I started coaching in Farwell, we, we, were, we weren't even close to anywhere near the quality of baseball that I was used to. So, yeah, it was a wake-up call for me. Um, when I coached girls basketball, it was the same thing, right? I watched all these college coaches and they would get after these officials. And, and, um, here I was this 27 or 28 year old guy. And I'm like, what? I started out trying to coach like a college coach. It's like, what are you? You're an idiot. Stop. Don't, don't, these high school guys don't need that. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting change. I had to change my perspective. Um, so You, um, it was later in life, I know, as we talked, you know, last um, summer about your involvement at the Little League Baseball World Series. Um, and I know that you were able to go back again for an extended time this past summer mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. for the first time because of that retirement. The R word uh, pays dividends immediately, although maybe it didn't pay, it didn't pay because it's a volunteer position out in, in Williamsport. But what was it like to be back this year for? the duration of the tournament? Well, like you said, Doug, I was, um, we were there in the past four or five, six years, however long it was because of the, um, the law change that said, um, you know, you had to go back to school earlier. So we could only do the first weekend um, to be there the whole year again. And it had been a number of years that, it, that, that was the, the case was, was just great. Um, it was, it was um, it was fun to to stay there for that for those 10 to 11 days staying with our friends seeing our our usher family and our our employee friends um, and you know we go out there I don't know if I, I I think I mentioned this the last time is that we go out there now just as much to, to see the to see the people and to be around that quote little league family as it is to watch the games year after year after year, the games just blend themselves together. But the memories yeah. that you make with the people, you know, after the, after the games going out and grabbing a bite to eat or sitting down on your break while you're there having conversations with them and asking them about their, their family and, you know, just kibitzing with those people. And um, that, that, that extending it, just means that you have more time to build those memories so it was it was phenomenal it was great it was a it was a wonderful experience and uh it was good to be able to stay there again uh for the entire duration and um you were there for the the major league game and, and next year there's uh, presumably you're going to try to make it back because next year I, I believe the hometown tigers are playing in the little league classic are they not Yes, and uh, I've already – so for people who are listening, that, that 
that Little League game, the MLB Classic, is held in a very small um, minor league park that MLB kind of um, enhanced a little bit. They didn't make a lot more seats. So there's probably 27 to 3,000 people that are there. And all the players from the, all, all the teams, the international and the um, uh, United States teams, those kids are first priority. Little League employees and MLB employees are second priority. And third priority is they open up the seats to common, the common folk. So there's not a lot of seats. And um, this year, the Tigers are, 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 next year, the Tigers are coming. And I've already laid the groundwork that, look, I really would like to go to that because it's the Tigers versus the Yankees. Now, the Yankees is another beast altogether. So there, this might be a little bit more of a difficult um pull for me to get that those seats but i got a feeling that it'll happen yeah but yeah and and um disappointing this year was uh alan trammell was being brought in on a i think it was a tuesday the williamsport town was bringing alan trammell in he was gonna um throw out the first pitch and do some kind of a community event um well he got stuck at the airport. So Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker were by far my favorite Tigers when I was growing up. And um, I was going to try to get a uh, get an autograph from him and have a conversation and a photo and a quick meet and greet with him. Because you kind of, when, you, when you're in the World Series environment there, you know where these people are at. You know where they're being staged. You know how to accidentally bump into them. That would have that been the first person I ever, in the entire years that I was there, actually sought out to get meeting. Because yeah. um, you're not supposed to do that. And I had talked to my boss, and I said, look, he's, a, he's my childhood hero. <laughs> well, he got bumped off his plane, so he didn't show up. Uh, he didn't show up that day. He came for the challenger game on that Saturday. I didn't know that he was going to be there. So I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I'm hoping that since he still has a role with the tigers, he'll be there next year and I can hook up with him there and meet him and tell him how great he is and fawn over him as they all do and all that jazz. So well, maybe he'll bring uh, Lou with him. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Lou needs to be in the hall of fame. Well, Yes, he does. Amen to that. Yeah. But that's a that's a conversation for another day, I think. Yep. Well, I just gave you something to talk about later on. There you go. Um, so th- beyond the little league uh, volunteering and your time at CMU, what other types of experiences have you had along the way that you would classify or quantify as maybe some memorable moments or whether it be seeing something in person or happening to just catch something on TV or what have you that you maybe weren't expecting to experience? Um, well, I've been fortunate enough to, um, to go to the masters twice. Um, I won lottery tickets myself, uh, once and I got somebody else who won the lottery tickets the time before. So in 2008 and 2016, I've gone to the masters. Um, that is an incredible experience and um, um, one that I I'll never forget. And as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I won the master's lottery again. And this time, uh, this, this spring in April, I will be going to Augusta with my, my wife and my son and a buddy. Now here's how these lottery deals work. Normally when you do this is you get six or seven or four or five or however many buddies 
all go in for the tickets. And if they win, you kind of, you're smart. You say, okay, I won my ticket this time, but I'm going to take you next this time too. So this buddy that's going is somebody that um, I just went on a recent trip, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I'm just making sure that if he wins in the future, I'll get another opportunity to go. And that's kind of how these, these little, these little groups work because the master's ticket is a lottery and you have to get drafted for it. And it's not the easiest thing. Yeah. Tell me about it. I think I'm now 0 for 11 or 0 for 12. Yeah, I'm sorry, Doug. I'm sorry, Doug. Yeah. 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 A two-time quasi three-time winner. Yes. Uh, our, our time here is done, Mr. Packley. Yes. Done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if I didn't promise my wife and my son that I was uh, going to take them the next time we won. And I, when, so I've won the, the, first ne- the next time we win. Listen yeah. to you. The wow. first time, the, the, the first time I, I, I think the first time I did not win them. The second time I think I may have won them 2016. I think I did win. them. I wasn't, certainly wasn't expecting, but this time when I won them, I, you know, I told my wife before that we're I'm going to take you if I can go. So since I won the tickets, I own the tickets. I can obviously take whoever I want. Anyways, I'm saying, Doug, if I win again, I'll make sure that you're on the list. As a matter of fact, I got it right here. I'm going to write okay. down, Doug yeah. <laughs> Hill Masters. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thanks. But in, also in 2016, I went to the Ryder Cup in Hazeltine. I did that for one day. We had we had tickets. One, uh, I don't know if we purchased those or, or won those, but we kind of turned that into a little bit of a golf trip, and, and we popped into Hazeltine in 2016, and that's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It was the United States versus Europe again. And um, that was my first Ryder Cup experience. And I spent one day there. It was the day that it was, uh, I believe it was a Friday, Friday or Saturday. So it was a four ball. That's the day where they do four ball and foursomes. They mm-hmm. do that twice. Um, and then the Sunday they do the uh, do the singles match. So we went there for one day and I got an experience there at, and and I thought that that was my Ryder Cup finale because I really didn't have a deep desire to go back. The Ryder Cup is an awesome experience, but if you really want to watch golf in person, it's not the place to go. So you want to go you want if you want to actually watch the guy swing, you're better off just going to like the Rocket Mortgage um or um, even the U.S. Open or something along those lines, because you know there's a full field, seventy some golfers after the cut, 150 mm-hmm. went to cut. Here, there's only 12 guys from each team playing, so there's 24 golfers. And in the morning and the in the afternoon, there's only eight guys from each team. So there's 16 guys. There's 50,000 people there to watch 16 golfers. Well, again, my buddy that I went with, who I'm going to the Masters with in April. We both won tickets in the lottery for um, the Ryder Cup, which is not as big of a win. I mean, it's more exclusive for the Masters. But this one was a trip to Italy. I knew that I was going to be retiring. And I always have wanted to go to Italy. And um, so I invited my wife, but she's still teaching and she wasn't able to go. Uh, and a couple other people went. And so I was just I just returned last week. Um from Italy and uh, I spent two days in at the Ryder cup in Italy. And that is a totally different experience than the one in Minnesota because the Europeans were the home team 
we were the obviously the home team in, in Minnesota and the Europeans are way more raucous um, and have chance. And it was just a totally different experience and one that I'm so happy that I got. Um, well, certainly the, the chance we're able to hear um, on TV because I, yes. I, I, I tuned in, especially on Saturday and Sunday, Friday, I was not about to, wake up at one thirty in the morning to watch mm-hmm. golf when I had to go to work Friday morning at seven. Correct. So that did not happen, but you know, being able to watch some of it on Saturday during the, during the morning and then Sunday, I was up by six o'clock and watched most of the singles to see if the impossible could happen. And of course right. could not, but um, beyond just the, the chanting, what, what is the vibe like on foreign soil? I think I even saw something from Rory McElroy after the fact that the, one of the hardest feats in golf today is to win a Ryder cup away from home. And he's already guaranteeing or guaranteeing if we're going to quote Rashid Wallace, a win <laughs> at, at, at Beth page in, in 25. Yeah. Um, so first of all, you're um, a minority. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, 95% of the American fans are wearing some kind of red, white, and blue. Uh, some of the fans just get all crazy and wear all kinds of wacky outfits. And of course I was doing my part. I had my, I had my USA hat and I had my um, red, white, and blue flag type shirts for both Friday and Sat or Saturday and Sunday, excuse me. So you stick out, right? Um, the people treat you really nice, but they do needle you a little bit. Um, but they're more there to have fun and be, be raucous and, and loud. And, you know, they'll yell, you're up when they win and when they're winning and, um, you know, we'll stay USA, but they get, we get drowned out right away because they'll start saying you're up and there's, you know, 90% of the fans, there are all Europeans. I like to remind the Europeans that when it was just America versus the United Kingdom, we kicked their butt every time. So we're one country taking on an entire continent, right? Yeah. And they, they can beat us. They can beat us because they can choose from everywhere else. We're, we got one little country here. Uh, they don't like to hear that. But um, so, you know, you kind of get, you get a little uh, good natured ribbon and needling. Um, and, but, you know, it's, 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 if you've ever been to any, any sporting event where you're the you're you're on you're the visitor and you're in, in their home territory the louder you get <clears throat> the more they're going to respond so yeah. you know i me and my my friends we just usa and then we knew it was going to it out we just waited so but some people aren't like that but, so it was very very unique <clears throat> yeah. and the chanting and i was glad that i was there for the chanting and and witnessing that because you see it on TV, but to be a part of it, the atmosphere of the Ryder Cup is what's so awesome about it. Yeah. Um, you know, in, speaking of the of the volume level or the or the noise level, um, you know, and it's it's hard to tell on TV, but are you able to hear the roar from a few holes over if a big putt is made or a shot is made? How audible is that to you as somebody who is not at the location of where that's happening? But it, it sounds like it, it's pretty noticeable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, again, especially on Saturday and Friday when they're doing the four balls where there's only um, four 
groups out on the on the course yeah everybody's packed within this four and all the people there are people that try to follow um follow groups so yeah you definitely hear the roars i mean you definitely hear the roars and you can definitely tell the difference between uh who did well on the hole or who didn't all you have to know is you can just hear if it's if it's really 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 loud cheer right off the bat it's obviously that that was europe or when it was over in the United States uh, at Hazeltine in Minnesota, if it was allowed when it was obviously the United States. Um, and then you hear the cheers. Um, and, you know, the the Americans would try to figure out where their fans were on each hole, and they would try to pump them up. But, again, all the, all, all the European players had to do was look into the fans and, 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 and gesture to them to get fired up, and they were, they were on that like in yeah. a heartbeat. So – um at the top of you know your discussion about the the Ryder cup experience and certainly it is limited access to see live golf i I'd, I'd be interested to know over those two days you were there the saturday and the sunday how many you know groups or, or duos did you see come through so well we saw everybody come we saw everybody but he comes through well on on Saturday uh, when we were there, we we stayed in um, on the first tee for everybody coming through, um, and then the a- afternoon wave we got back into the first tee again for the afternoon wave, and um, we saw them come through. Um, Sunday we. Dashed out on hole number six for a while. We saw probably three quarters of groups come through. We were on the green so we could see them putt. Um, and then in the later on in the day, we moved over to hole 16. Hole 16 was the is the hole with um, the drivable par four with the water on the right that ended up being the, uh, the hole that Rory McIlroy conceded on. We were sitting in the fairway there um, right in front of the hospitality stand there was a little bit of a gap between the fairway and the uh, ropes and all that stuff. So we were kind of over in there. Um, and that, so we saw a lot of golf, but when I say, when I say it's hard to see the golfers, you can't really get close enough to watch them swing or interact with them. Um, <clears throat> whereas in a regular tournament, you can, you can follow a group. Let's say your favorite golfer is Kevin Kisner, for example. He's not the greatest. He's not the most popular guy. You could follow those kinds of guys. And yeah. even in the bigger tournaments, you could follow a Rory or a, or a John Rahm or Justin Thomas or Spieth. You might have to get a hole or two ahead of them, but you can, you can follow them a little bit more. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was what Ricky Fowler conceded on with 16. The, and it seemed on uh, TV, both Azinger and, and Dan Hicks made a pretty big deal about it. How, you know, why did he give the putt? Um, you probably didn't, weren't, weren't able to see it that clearly, but it looked like it was a solid two and a half or three footer. I'm not sure that that's a gimme even under the best conditions. So, well, yeah, you know, and then back in the, I don't know, it was the seventies or eighties, you know, Jack Nicholas did the same thing with Tony Jacklin yeah. and he gave Tony Jacklin a putt to tie and um so i i've since seen the stats on how many times that guy would have missed that putt yeah it would have been he would have made that putt 
94 out of 100 times. Yes, yes, he may have missed it, but what we but what others have to keep in mind is there were two more matches behind that, and we were getting our butts waxed in one of them, and all they needed is a half a point. So to me, yeah, you know, if I'm I'm Joe Smith playing in my local Ryder Cup up here at Eagle Glen, I'm going to make that dude make the putt. But here, but this is this is a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah. Tommy who, Tommy Fleetwood's probably not missing that one very often. Tommy right? Fleetwood, you yeah. know, and he's played with them before. He knows these guys. These guys all know each other. They're all tops in the world. It isn't just some year, local Yoko that came out of the stands that he's never played with. So he had, he felt real confident that Fleetwood was going to make that putt. Yeah. Yeah. They lost that. Tur- they lost the Ryder Cup on Friday and Saturday. Or Saturday. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know. They didn't lose that on Sunday. Their their pathetic performance on on Friday and and, and Saturday is what cost that. Yeah. Um, so we've had a lot of golf talk here, which is fantastic because I too like live golf. And speaking of lotteries, I did I did win my own lottery, and I've got three tickets to the Open uh, for Wednesday, Thursday, no Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next year at Royal Troon. So. Um, good for you so but i gotta go all the way to flipping scotland to see this dang thing i'd like much rather go to well, the, go, to, go to augusta yeah flew to italy that was a nine-hour flight but i yeah. want to tell you i do have a golf regret and it was the same <laughs> buddy that i just went to the Ryder cup with we also won tickets to um the 150th playing of the of the open at st andrews and i we were trying to pull this off. We were trying to pull it off. And my buddy said, um, you know, I want to go over there, but I also want a plate at St. Andrews. So I don't want to go over there. And I'm like, okay, well, my, my regret, and I think he regrets it a little bit too, is that that was the 150th playing. There was some really neat stuff that was going on at that tournament. Um, so, but Hey, you know, I can't have everything. Yeah. I I was I was there on that Tuesday. I was I made it over there for the 150th. I got pulled for that Tuesday practice round. That's the only day that I got pulled for. But it oh, was, you were over there for that. Yeah, yeah. Now is that the day that they had that uh, that little three hole tournament with uh, Trevino and and Woods and Sorenstam? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, that was either Sunday or Monday, I believe. Okay. It was not okay. Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. I I can say that I I walked the entire course. And no joke, the Lynx courses are no joke. And I think I saw three of the four seasons in my in my walk around the course that day. Because we walked in, it was like 70 and sunny and gorgeous. And by the time wow. I got all the way to the back, you know, in the Firth of Fourth, it was like 50 degrees and raining sideways and 40 mile an hour winds. And I thought I had gone to another planet altogether. It was ridiculous. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I didn't know that. Yeah. So... That was a fun one. Now, speaking of live golf, I know that there's a an LPGA tournament that comes every year up into your part of the state, right? Up in the Tri-City area, Midland Bay yep. City and and um, Saginaw. You've gone to that one in the past too, right? Yep, we've we've uh we've volunteered um at that tournament. Um we volunteered at that tournament and um have gone and watched it as well. Um, that is the Dow Great Lakes Invitational. And that's a team event where you have two, uh, you've got two players that are teamed up 
and uh, they play uh, as a team uh, against the others. And it's a really fun event. It's at Midland. It's only about 40 minutes away from us. Um, but we also like to go down to the one that's in Meyer or that's in Grand Rapids, excuse me, the Meyer LPGA and, uh, and see that in Grand Rapids. That's a more, that's a tournament, a typical, mm-hmm. your typical tournament, not a team event, but, uh, I like going to the women's events because there's way less people and their swings are much more fluid and much more smooth and um they play a style of golf that um i personally like they have to shape the balls shape the shots around around things they're they're not bombing it out there 350 yards into the into the middle of a trees and they find their ball and all they gotta do is hit a little wedge you know it's it just to me yeah. it's a more it's more of a way the golf used to be played and should have been played and you can get real real close to them and they're very they're very um very appreciative of, of your, of your fandom, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so that's why I actually, if you said, John, you could go to the rocket mortgage or you could go to the LPGA event. And, uh, I would say, well, I'm going to go to the LPGA event because the rocket mortgage, um, I'm not going to fight as many people. And, um, they, they're not as appreciative of you. Um, and so I, I kind of like that. Yeah, it is interesting how I think women's sports is finding its footing on the on a national stage now, and when we see that, you know, you know, and across the board, and a, a lot of that is because of the fact that it's it's not just the biggest and the strongest that are always necessarily winning. You know, you look at it in terms of. Um, you know, men's basketball versus, you know, women's college or even pro basketball. It's, it's more of a movement type of a game, pass, shoot, pick screen, um, you know, backdoor cuts, those types of things. And it's not just the power game with the dunks and everything else. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's kind of like the same thing at CMU. When I go to a CMU uh, basketball game, Mm -hmm. JD, I would, I would rather go watch the women's play because there's more of the X's and O's and it's not just, not just um, clear out basketball and yeah. dribble drive. Now there's a little bit more of that coming into the women's game. They're becoming, I would say, when I say better athletes, they're, they're just better at that style of basketball, but it's still a lot of, you know, setting screens and moving off the screens and off the ball movement. Um, you know, so I would prefer that. And that's, it's, you know, it kind of, dovetails with the women they yeah. play more of the old style of golf the ben sure. hogan style of golf you know yeah um, shaping the ball around the hole and, and you know the, the player that can they can hit the ball left left to right uh and move it right to left um or or the player that is hits the ball accurately down the middle of the fairway mm-hmm. hits fairways hits the greens is generally rewarded whereas in men's golf it's not that way anymore yeah um, and, and I guess, you know, I'm pretty sure that this year, the Nebraska volleyball team is probably single game attendance wise is outdrawn the Nebraska football team this year, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what an event. And, you know, volleyball is, is a passion of mine too. I've gotten into that yeah. through, through, uh, being in college and then, then coaching, but, uh, uh, you know, we, that is, that was amazing to watch. Now you, 
it's just like was going to the and, and I did this too when I went to the the Pistons in '86, beat um beat Boston at uh, um at Pontiac Silverdome. There were sixty three thousand people there. Yeah, I couldn't watch them play. They were just little little you know little yep. blobs running around on the court. We talked about that earlier. It's the same thing in volleyball. You're up at the far. You're up up there. And there's these little blobs down at the bottom playing volleyball on a court smaller than than a basketball court. Yep. Um, but it's all about the experience, right? Yeah. It's like it's like going to it's like going to the Red Wings game at the Winter Classic at, at University of Michigan. Hundred thousand players, people that have watched that, I should say not players, hundred thousand fans watching a hockey game. Well, if you're up at the top, you're you're not really seeing a lot of the hockey. You're there for the experience. Exactly. And I mean, but what a, what a great evening that was in Lincoln. And I'm, I'm happy that they pulled it off. I'm happy the weather cooperated and right. it probably was not by chance that they played Nebraska Omaha so that it could be rescheduled if they, you know, easily enough, if it, if it had a rain date that was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and again, the weather, what would they have done in the weather? They would have rescheduled it and they would have, yeah, they would have done it the next day, but um what an event, right? Yeah, um, absolutely, and a and a testament to what that following looks like in that state for for that particular sport and and that program, uh, which is, you know, as at the highest level you can probably be right now. There, I mean, it's quite the juggernaut that they have there. Yeah, Nebraska is one of the top programs in the uh, country, along with um, uh, Wisconsin, um, Texas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 quite. Nebraska is a big time volleyball school. That whole state is nuts about volleyball. So beyond trying to make it to Augusta, like you know, you know, like getting a ring for each finger, like Michael Jordan or you know Phil Jackson <laughs> or whatever. What else is out there for you? What else uh, would you uh, hope to see and 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 do in person if you if you can swing it? If you, if the ping pong balls or the lottery tickets fall right, what do you what do you hope to still be able to do, John? I my boy, I tell you Doug, to be honest with you, um as far as bucket list sporting events, I well see the Tigers in the World Series before I see the Lions in the Super Bowl because my my uh, fandom with the Lions is non-existent anymore. I don't care how good they're going to be this year. I am not I am not Charlie and Lucy and the pulling the football away. I am not going to fall for that this trick. Um, they might be able to prove me wrong this year, but uh, uh, I'm not going to do it. I would love to get to the World Series a World Series game um, with the Tiger with the Tigers. Uh, that would yeah. be that would be about the only thing left that I have to do. You know, um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, Angela and I and JD went to, we did go to a, a, the final four for volleyball a few years ago. That was interesting. Um, I don't really have a desire to go to the final four for basketball. Um, if one of the teams that if, if, if central ever got there, which they'll never will, it's just not possible. If a central got there for women's basketball or, or men's basketball, that'd be a different story. I'd probably try to go, but I don't really have that yearning to do any of that. I mean, honest to goodness, just the world series. Um, 
with the Tigers in it. That would be fan- phenomenal. That's really it. Yeah. Because they pretty much hit everything else. Um, I mean, I've been to the Indianapolis 500. Uh, you know, that's the greatest spectacle in racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I, I've been to the time trials. I haven't been on race day. Um, and I'm not, I wasn't even, I just, I got hooked up with a guy that likes to go down there and I thought I'd, I'd let's give it a shot. I've never gone before. And we uh, started going four or five years in a row to time trials. And that was an interesting experience. And, um, so I do, I guess if, if, as you, as I, as I reflect on that, I, I have had a, a wide range of exposure to many different major events. It sounds so, like um, it. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, I mean, I never even thought about that until we started talking today. You're, you're burying the lead, Mr. Pacladinas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, Doug, I don't really like to talk too much about myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the Indy 500, uh, you, you mentioned the final four for volleyball. Um, anything else that you, you have been to that you have just inadvertently forgotten about tonight that, that is maybe of interest? Forgotten about. <laughs> um, well, all of, you know, right on the tops of my list, Doug, are, are all those, uh, all those down to, uh, Ypsilanti yeah, to, uh-huh. uh, to, okay. to play, uh, uh, against Eastern. Um, no, I mean, did, I don't know if you did this, Doug, in college. Did you get on, you know, did you get on the road and go to go to Bowling Green? Or did you get on the road and go to Western? Did you go on the road and, you know, go and, and follow the Hurons at the, as they were affectionately known at the time? Uh, you know, that, those those experiences that you can never forget, those were fun. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm not really – I don't, I don't think that I've got anything else that, you know, I, I more, like a lot of people that live in this in down where, where we grew up, where you living and where, where I grew up, I, I went to the 86 U S open, mm-hmm. um, at Oakland Hills. Um, but you know, that was, you know, everybody could get tickets to that at the time. It wasn't nearly as big. So I remember that that was unique. Um, but no, no. Uh, well, Grand did, Blank. Did you ever go to Grand Blank? Did you ever go watch the? Uh, oh yeah, I, the, I, the, was the it, Buick Open. Yeah, yeah. I went to Warwick a few times. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Warwick Hills, I went there once or twice too. I mean, so I mean, I guess now that I think a little bit about it, but. And to answer your question, yes, I did travel with the Hurons. I, you probably don't know this about me, but I was um, a three-year sports writer at the uh, student paper there, and my my beats were. Um, basketball and football um for many uh many years during that time and i also had the volleyball beat for a year and baseball as well did a lot of traveling uh to see them play and i think i've been to at the time i think i'd been to every max school at least once um it was uh, a very unique experience and, and one that i'm happy that i was able to have and one that i was happy i was able to have during the era that i was there which was you know, from 80 you know five to 88 89 um so we there was an ncaa basketball tournament for the men out in lincoln nebraska where they played pittsburgh the mac championship that year the football uh-huh. team went to the cal bowl and beat san jose state and i was able to be there with the football team for a week um, my gpa suffered significantly but it was a fabulous time well and the um the baseball team had a few decent players back in the day. 
uh, when we were there, when I was there. Um, but they struggled um, overall. Uh, but there were there were a few players that made it to uh, made it to um, the majors, I believe, out of that program. Um, yeah, yeah. Chris Hoyles would have been the era that I was there for a bit. He was probably the most notable. Played for Baltimore for several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, but but it was pretty thin then for the major other for. Well, they were pretty pretty good in track, weren't they? Oh yeah, they yeah dominant in track and in uh, swimming. Um, yeah, their their men's track team in particular, the women's track team was also pretty solid, and uh, both swimming programs were were very good. Yeah, so. Well, John, it has been a uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem at all, Doug. Thank you. Uh, I look forward to potentially talking to you again in the future. Could you become our first ever three time guest? Well, maybe well, I'm I... not. I'm not worthy. You better find somebody else. I mean, this isn't like Saturday Night Live with the uh, the Five Timers Club or anything like that. I I certainly don't. I don't. I don't deserve that. I'm definitely not worthy of that. Do I need to create a smoker's jacket or something to hand to <laughs> to the folks that are on there multiple times? I guess I may have to get look into that. Yeah, I need something. I need something. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, man. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of the Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.